And, and I think that's that's the part of the argument that those who say it's just nostalgia don't really understand. Nostalgia would involve people sort of going Ted Kaczynski and moving to a cabin in Montana and only using a typewriter. The reality is most of the people embracing analog goods and ideas today are doing it in concert and in parallel with the digital tools that they're using either in work or for their personal lives. So when you go into a coffee shop or a lecture hall at, at the University of Wisconsin, someone is sitting there at their desk working on a project for whatever business they're in. They're going to have a laptop open. They're going to have a smartphone next to it. And next to that, they're going to have a paper notebook, a moleskin notebook or a field notes notebook or some other random collection of paper with a pen. It's not as though these things are competing with each other. These technologies are complementary. And it's the use of all of them simultaneously and in concert that's what allows those people to work at their best. So certain ideas are going to go down on paper and then be transferred and refined on the laptop screen. Each serves its own purpose, and that purpose is very individual to the user, to each of us. I think it's that mixture that allows us to move with the digital technology in a way that actually doesn't feel as though things are escaping or moving too fast from us. It grounds us in something that's familiar in, in behaviors and patterns that are in many ways functional and are not inferior to the digital technology. For a lot of people, even people who work at, at very high-tech companies, it actually allows them to work better with the digital technology. Right. Now, one, one of the more surprising trends that you write about is the return of the bricks and mortar bookstore. I mean, it turns out even Amazon, the big chain that basically killed borders, has opened physical bookstores in cities like Seattle, Chicago, Portland, Oregon. How do you explain the, the return of the bookstore? There's a couple of different factors here. There's the economic factor of, of sort of the Great Recession. And the reality was that Amazon may have played a role in the contraction of independent bookstores when there was, you know, 4,000 or more, let's say in the 1980s up to, it's about 1,800, 1,900 today, independent bookstores. You know, most of that was due to Borders and Barnes and & Noble. And what were Borders and Barnes and & Noble and other sort of big chains able to do that those bookstores weren't. They were able to offer the lowest price and the biggest selection, the most books at the lowest prices, which the mom and pop had a lot of trouble competing with. Well, Amazon came along and said, we can offer every book forever, and we're willing to take a loss on all of them because our real business is raising our stock price and selling <laughs> data services or drones to someone. And that really hit Borders, who went bankrupt, and Barnes & Noble, who has continually struggled to sort of maintain their place and has contracted somewhat. But it changed the narrative for the independents. The independents could say, we're not going to offer you the most. We're going to actually offer you a curated selection, a very personal selection to this community. And we're going to offer you an, an experience. You come into the bookstores. It's not just to buy a book. There's more going on there. It's community, right? It is a place where ideas live and thrive, and you can have conversations with people and see authors there. When you think about the great bookstores around the country— Books and Books in Miami and Powell's in Portland, Oregon and City Lights in San Francisco and, and on and on and on. These places are hubs of a community. They're places where you can go and take your kids for a couple hours and just sit them in the kids section and let them read stories and flip through books. There are places where you can walk in and say you're starting a book club and ask for recommendations and have a conversation. Have someone open you up to new ideas. That is a premium. That is something that people increasingly value. They know, everybody who shops at these stores, they know you can buy those same books cheaper 
at other places. But it sells really well in those types of stores because those who value books, they realize that it's it's a small luxury in their life. It is something that's worth paying for. And they also have seen what happens to their communities when those stores leave, right? When a bookstore isn't in a community, it doesn't get replaced by something of an equal cultural cachet of an equal place. It gets replaced by a pharmacy or, God forbid, a vape store. <laughs> Where you could go in and have an intellectual conversation about what it tastes like to smoke grape. <laughs> you have other examples of, of this revenge of the analog. And one of them is you talk about the summer camp you went to as a kid, Camp Walden, which I guess has banned a lot of digital devices, right? Yeah, there's this interesting choice that summer camps now have to make because digital technology is ubiquitous in the lives of their campers. And so they decide...